back to the Southminster Advent Devotional Podcast. We have gone through Christmas. We are on our way to Epiphany and to the new year. It is Friday, December 30th. We are so glad you're here. My name is Josh Sweeney. I'm the Director of Children and Youth Ministries. And as always, joined by our Associate Pastor, Reverend Steve Shum. Hey, Josh. Uh, Good to be back. Good to be with you all. Gene Gaffney joining us today. Thanks, Gene, for writing your reflection and for sitting down with us. Gene is a current elder at Southminster and chairs the invitation team. Uh, you want to say a little bit about yourself, how you came to be here, and maybe what the invitation team does as well for folks who don't know, what is an invitation team? How I came to be here. Um, I've been thinking about this question. I think I owe some of it to my parents, my mother in particular, mm. um, our roots are in the Baptist church and the Methodist okay. church, but somehow she was drawn to the Presbyterian church in downtown Charleston, West Virginia. Okay. Great. Time. And that's how she became a Presbyterian there. I think Nancy had some kind of connection mm-hmm. to that church, yeah, yeah. maybe worked there or something. Yeah. Um, uh, we moved to Pennsylvania at some point, and I was in the first Presbyterian church in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. I remember being in the cherub choir and huh. all that fun stuff. And then we moved closer into Pittsburgh to Mount Lebanon and went to Southminster huh. in uh, Mount Lebanon. It, it was a more of a cathedral-shaped church, and I can remember being an acolyte and the uh, children's sermons. I remembered those. Um, We moved here to Centerville in 1968. And I remember my mother coming home one day and saying, I think we'll go to that Southminster church. It's brand new. It looks very exciting. So that's where we came. Uh, So I went to this church in high school for a short time and would come back during college. Uh, when I got married and had a family, we I was working in Miamisburg, and a lot of people went to the preschool at the First Presbyterian Church of West Carrollton. Mm. So our kids went there, and then we joined there. Um, and eventually, my dad left Southminster and even came there. So we went there for many years. Uh, eventually, it closed, uh, yeah. dwindling yeah. number of members. It just happens. Mm -hmm. It took a while for me to figure out where I wanted to go because I wanted to be sure it was really a place I wanted to go. Um, My daughter started coming to Southminster, so that drew me here. So that's how I ended up here, and I'm glad. I like um, the West Carrollton Church was small, and that was really interesting because I'd never been to a small church. more intimate, uh, but and so coming here, it was noticeably bigger yeah, <laughs> and yeah. a lot more going on, and I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been retired five years. It, it occurred to me that if I really want to accomplish some good in the world, you need to be involved with some kind of community. Yeah, and uh, church gives yeah. me that community very much so. And the daughter you speak of was Kim. Kim and, and Gaffney, had, right? Yeah. Kim, she's not Kat- Kim Gaffney yeah, anymore. Kim, Kim Cashwell Patton, who <laughs> yeah. was here a few weeks ago yeah. uh, with her daughter Brooke, your granddaughter. So we yeah. have 
three generations, you know, right. of Gaffneys right. holding the fort down here at Southminster. Right. Well, my parents were here oh, too, yeah, so, we, so we four. have yeah. four, That's you know, awesome. that have t- been touched by Southminster. Yep. That's great. And you talk about wanting to make a difference and and creating community and working in and with community. Mm-hmm. And so you uh, your your involvement with invitation team is one way you do that. The other way you do it is also the social justice book club, which mm-hmm. you are very right. active with uh, here at Southminster. And mm-hmm. I think uh, community has certainly formed around that. Uh, the group, the the regulars that come to that have a uh, uh, connection, and that's been life giving. I think uh, for a number of folks. Yeah, I, I think. We feel very close um, because we've really looked in depth mm-hmm. at various issues and done what I call deep reading. Yeah. And as a you know, as you know, I'm a retired librarian, yes, yes. and I was always an advocate for deep reading. That um, sometimes you have to read a book that's two or three or five hundred pages yeah, right. to really internalize what the message mm-hmm. is. So I think that happens in the social justice discussion group. Oh yeah. Well, and, and I've just been impressed with y'all's book choices in it. And if you want to find out more information, you can always um, check out the church website um, and you can see, you know, kind of the semester long book readings, but you know, it's everything from, you know, kind of very tough source material mm-hmm. or not tough, but you know, just kind of, um, Things that you need to ponder, you maybe need to read twice, two or three times to kind of really grasp and get that full picture. But you, y'all did even a, um, not a comic book, but a graphic, graphic novel, novel. Um, yeah. you know, and so you, y'all spread the, y'all have a wide variety yeah. of books, yeah. which is, which is quite um, interesting. You don't see too often. Right. And, so and we try to that. balance fiction with nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the nonfiction can get a little heavy. We had a 500 page book on the scopes trial last month (laughs) and so we were really ready for a change and so for december we had a fiction book the book woman of troublesome creek which is really good because it it takes place in kentucky and a lot of people have ties to kentucky around here in fact i've been trying to talk my husband into oh yeah reading this book (laughs) it's by kim richardson and uh it's been a bestseller. Um, it's about some people in Kentucky. The family had a certain um, disorder in their blood that caused them to look blue. Mm. And they all lived in this certain hollow mm-hmm. in Kentucky. But um, people have marginalized them mm-hmm. quite a bit. And um, so it's interesting reading a group that you're not used yeah. to yeah, being yeah. marginalized. Right. So I, I enjoyed it a lot. Huh. And of course she acts as a librarian. She mm. rides horse. It was during the depression area in the WPA and she was paid $28 mm. a month for this job. And, but that was quite a bit of money yeah. for she and her dad. And uh, they deliver horses. I mean, they deliver books by, by horse. horse. Huh. However, she, rides a mule but that's part of the story oh. if you want to know why she has a mule i'm not going to tell you you have to yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right talking about uh fiction non-fiction <laughs> we'll turn to what you've written okay and and invite you to read uh the scripture text here and then your uh your reflection and feel free gene to 
uh, embellish and give uh, other information as you read along uh, and just share where this where mm -hmm. this comes from, if you would. Um, I focused on this particular topic, which is Mary, the mother of Jesus, because I did a program for Grace Circle. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you're wanting to get to know more people, mm -hmm. joining a circle is a great way to do it. So uh, say a little more what the circles are. The These cir are, are women's Bible studies here at the church. Women's Bible studies. And sometimes they do service projects. Yeah. Um, there's about 30 in this particular circle. Mm -hmm. We meet once a month on Tuesday evenings, the first Tuesday. Um, we have a Bible study that we follow. It changes every year. This one is from Horizons, which is published by PresbyterianWomen.org, if you mm -hmm. want to look up more about yeah. it. Um, this one was about various women in the Bible <clears throat> that were part of Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. Right. And uh, so they asked me to do the one that had to do with Mary. And uh, I guess I'll just go ahead yeah, and yeah. start on that. And it related to... This verse that uh, was part of the Advent list of verses, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. And that's just spoke to me. Yeah. So um, in 2004, a joint statement of the Protestant and Catholic leaders agreed that Mary was not meant to be a role model for women only, but as a role model for all Christians. And uh, if you want to know more about mm -hmm. this group, that uh, they're trying to bring various denominations together and uh, that might believe different things, yeah. but there can be common ground if we just mm -hmm. communicate. Right. So that, um, I have that at the bottom of on um, what I wrote here. Yeah. If you want to know more about it, where but, you can look it up. Yeah, folks can just search for Mary Grace and Hope in Christ is the name of the, <laughs> uh, the statement put out together by uh, a number of churches who studied this. Yeah. Catholic okay. and Protestant yeah. together. And um, Mary says to the angel, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And Mary is the first disciple to believe in Christ. And the angel may have spoken to other young women, but Mary is the one that heard the message. So this was brought up in the lesson, um, the person that wrote, the lesson for horizons teaches a mm -hmm. class and somebody in her class said, well, what if Gabriel actually asked a few other yeah. women, mm -hmm. yeah. but they didn't listen and they didn't hear it, but Mary heard it and she accepted this challenge. This su suggests that discipleship is the state of learning to live within earshot of God speaking. And during Advent, do we stay within earshot of God and model Mary? And, and often in your various sermons at church, and you know, I'll hear some of you say, you know, have, 
do you make room mm-hmm. for God to speak to you? And, yeah. and that's what this is about. And <clears throat> so I wanted to say that one Christmas I felt like I was in earshot mm. of um, the spirit. Um, but let's We'll come back to that. Let's talk about Mary just a little bit more and remind me to come back to that Yeah, you have to come back to that. You you can't introduce uh, that story and then not tell it, so we'll come back. Yeah, I think if I go through this other thing a little bit, it'll make a little bit more sense. Uh, If you follow Mary through history, she has evolved in the way we think about her. And in the beginning... People thought of her as this protective mother, you know, that looked after the sick children and looked after the poor and the elderly. But by the third century, Christianity had spread enough that people with power uh, were Christians. And so they began to think of Mary as maybe a queen. And if you actually look at art... If you go to Google and you Google Mary, mother of Jesus, you'll find all kinds of famous art to do with Mary. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them show Mary with robes and crowns and other symbolism. And they mostly come from that period where people thought of Mary as a queen. And then later on, as we get closer to... uh, the Middle Ages, everybody in Europe lived in where there would be the lord of the manor mm-hmm. and the lady of yeah. the manor. Mm-hmm. So then people began to think of Mary as the lady of the manor that uh, would look over them. And it was still, it was a difficult time because the plague came along. There were lots of wars. Children were dying. Lots of infant mortality so then um, people thought of Mary as the queen of heaven. Mm, yeah. And so you'll see a lot of art where Mary is looking like she's in heaven with her hands out, welcoming the little children mm. to heaven or plague victims. Mm-hmm. So, And then when you get to uh, the Renaissance, Mary is more humanized. And you'll see pictures of her as the grieving mother. And you'll see more the emotional side of Mary. Now, when you get to the 19th century, people started having different ideas about women. Women don't just stay in the home. They can make some money on their own. And so that actually started to have an effect on how people thought of Mary. Mm -hmm. And they didn't emphasize her so much as someone that uh, only stayed in the home and yeah. looked after children. Maybe she did some other things in yeah. the world. And uh, that has carried on into the 20th century because, of course, now we see women differently than we did in the past. And um, Mary can be looked at and appreciated for her ordinariness. But people have found a lot of hope in her extraordinariness. And she allowed God to work through her, and she showed 
others how to follow Jesus. She, um, back to her being a, one of the first, if not yeah. the first disciple, she uh, bookends Jesus. She's there at the birth yeah. and she's there at the death. Right. And in fact, she accepts John to be a substitute son. And she's even part of a group that's starting to develop the church. Yeah. So she's actually quite an amazing person. Now, back to what yeah, yeah. Tell, us, <laughs> tell us the story, the, the, yeah. the year that you were open uh, and to the spirit and heard. Uh, yeah, when I felt, felt like the spirit was talking to me. So being a 20th century woman and being Protestant, we didn't emphasize Mary in our family. You right. know, we didn't have okay. uh, Christmas cards with Mary or mm. Christmas seals with Mary. And that just was not part of uh, an emphasis mm. in our family. Um, but then in uh, 1984, I was pregnant with twins. Mm -hmm. And I can remember being in the dining room and, and you know, what the light was on and just... Um, I think I was looking at a picture of Mary and suddenly I had a lot of compassion for her because mm -hmm. it, I felt so fragile being pregnant with twins right. and they were going to be due in two weeks. And I started thinking about her riding, being on a donkey, mm -hmm. <laughs> riding all the way from uh, Nazareth yep. to Bethlehem on a donkey in that state. And I just had this appreciation for her that I've never had. So mm -hmm. now, you know, we have Christmas cards with Mary yeah, and right. stamps with Mary. I just felt a kinship with her. Now, yeah. I know that probably didn't sound very astonishing to you, but mm -hmm. it was a change yeah. in me. Yeah. No, I get it. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, and for me on the opposite side, you know, with Joseph, you know, like, you know, I think we're, we're getting more and more resources on Joseph, you know, where, you know, he was just kind of this side character and, mm -hmm. you know, now it's just like, Oh, you know, let's lean into him a little bit more. Um, one of the things I've seen over this advent is, you know, that there's this, you know, call for godly men, you know? And so we think, you know, the, these big stamps and, you know, these kind of things. And it's like, well, what about Joseph who was the quiet, humble one that just said yes yeah. and kind of leaned into it and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of the same thing with Mary. Yeah, I love the how much pull we're doing. I think this Advent season. I, I don't think we've done as much Easter pulling than what we have. You know, we had Georgina talk about Palm Sunday and hanging you know, the greens. You know, we kind of have Mary here, where you know, just kind of those bookends. And yeah, I, I love being able to kind of see the whole picture yeah. in the in the midst of this, and we're not just kind of pulling out the hallmarkness of Christmas, mm -hmm. but we're you know, kind of, we, we know the story. So why are, how can we look at more commonalities between the two? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Another thing I do is I uh, attend Steve Davis's book. Oh yeah. Uh, Bible study. Mm -hmm. I do the zoom. It's much easier yeah, from right. home. <laughs> sure. Um, and last year when we did the Advent readings, mm -hmm. there was one on the Holy Spirit, which I always had found kind of confusing and I like, I'm not sure I got it. Right. But yeah. um, I, whenever the reading was, it just seemed to help me understand it a lot more. Mm -hmm. And now I'm more, I pay attention more. 
to that kind of thing. So, and I have come to the belief that when we all go into the sanctuary, the Holy Spirit is there. We are experiencing the Holy Spirit. So this probably seems maybe elementary to you two pastors, but, you know, it's just something I think about it. My 71 years. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, I, I appreciate, too, the, uh, that, that kind of revelation uh, about Mary. I also grew up, we didn't talk about Mary. That was what they did in the Catholic Church, right? Mm. right. They, they worshipped her, and that was a little dangerous, so sure. we didn't talk about it. But I think, mm-hmm. I think in some ways uh, the Protestant Church is impoverished, to a sense, by mm-hmm. not looking at that. I remember I was in, in seminary, and... Um, uh, one of one of our uh, professors, Beverly Gaventa, had written a, a book on Mary, uh, Mary, the glimpses uh, of the mother of Jesus. And it was somewhat shocking to me because I had always been told, you know, worship of Mary was a, a dangerous, a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you'll appreciate this as a former librarian. I was taking a, a literature and theology class where we would read a book, uh, mm-hmm. a book a week and, and uh, picked by the professor, curated, uh, because they had um, themes, either religious or or uh, theological. Uh, and I remember reading uh, Cat's Eye by um, Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood is one of my uh, favorite uh, authors. Uh, and in it, her, her main character, the heroine of the book, uh, a troubled uh, girl, uh, somewhat troubled, just uh, uh, by life, uh, grows up uh, not at all uh, churched, but goes to a friend's Protestant church where Mary is dangerous to talk about. And you don't talk about Mary, but discovers Mary uh, on her own and finds a, a kind of a something relatable, an entree into oh. devotion through Mary. Uh, and, and so I think the... Uh, juxtaposition of, of uh, Gaventa's book and this, this story in Cat's Eye in, in some similar way to what you had, this eureka moment. So for me, it wasn't relating to Mary, um, but it was uh, this new appreciation and realization, oh, that there's something here, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that shouldn't just be completely discounted. Right, so. right. Well, and I made a handout with lots of, pictures yeah, of yeah. Mary and I have shared that with you. And, and it'll be included in the Advent Digital Devotion mm-hmm. um, as a link that you can just click on and see all the photos that Gene has provided. Yeah. Now, when we did this in the circle meeting, everybody really enjoyed picking out a picture, hmm. w- whichever one where they felt Mary yeah. related to them. <clears throat> so I'll pick the first one. I'm going to pick... Um, Reflections on the wedding at Cana, or mm-hmm. is it Cana? How, how does one say Cana? Cana. And uh, one of the, th- it's actually kind of a funny story if, from a mom's point of view, and that, um, as you know, they it's a wedding, and they run out of wine, and um, somebody asks, Jesus, I think Mary asked Jesus, yeah. you know, go do one of your yeah. miracles. Go turn that <laughs> right. water into wine. And Jesus says, I'm not sure I'm ready. Right. You know, I'm not sure I'm ready. But Mary just turns to the servants and just says, 
do what he tells you to do. And, you know, that's what a lot of us moms and dads, parents mm -hmm. do. We um, help our children reach beyond themselves that mm -hmm. way that uh, we help encourage them to reach outside yeah. of their comfort zone. And that's mm -hmm. what Mary did for Jesus right there. Yeah. I mean, you would think Jesus would already know to do that, but right. no, it took Mary prodding a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Very much. So I think for me, the one that stood out was uh, the Higgins nativity scene um, where we got Mary, Joseph, and, you know, they kind of have the straw kind of around because, yeah, this year, one thing that I leaned in hard on was, you know, where where the birth may have taken place. You know, uh, for a while we had this, you know, kind of idea of an inn, you know, and just kind of a typical inn kind of fashion. But then, um, you know, then it kind of went more into a cave like, you know, for I think the last 10 years or so, you know, that it was more of a cave that it could have been. And now it's kind of this another research resurgence that there was an inn, and if there was this innkeeper it was his guest room and so looking at first century you know kind of home structures it would have been at the very top so then you know mary not only riding you know kind of on a donkey from you know what is it 30 miles or so mm -hmm. um but then after all of that had to climb up two sets of ladders to get to the top. And so that's, you know, what I kind of see here is, you know, them, them at the top, just, you don't really see too much of their faces, but you just know the exhaustion, the, you know, the tiringness. Mary has kind of a pink shawl, which reminds me of the pinkness that's in mm. all hospital baby blankets. You know, mm -hmm. it's that like stripe that is in every hospital in America. And so that's, you know, kind of things for me um, that stick out here is, you know, that simpleness that kind of comes, you have some animals that are kind of hanging out um, in the area as well, star, a, a beam kind of coming through. So for me, there's not a whole lot of detail, which which I really appreciate, but also, you know, just kind of the sim simplicity yeah. of the story. Uh, for me, my my favorite image of Mary, it's actually not included in your handout. Uh, and this this is just, uh, it just occurred to me again now. In, uh, in Nazareth, Israel, at the Church of the Annunciation, which mm -hmm. is supposedly the place where the angel came uh, to Mary. If you go to Israel, there's always at least two places right. that claim to be the place where something happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the one that has been kind of officially marked as uh, the place where the Mary, where the angel came to Mary. And around the courtyard outside, uh, they had invited uh, mosaicists from all across the world to do images of Mary. And, and they're, it's actually stunning the number mm. of them, the yeah. different, and you can see this in the pictures you've given as well how Mary takes on kind of the cultural uh, uh, um, image uh, of whatever uh, culture the painter, uh, the artist is creating it from. Uh, we talked in an earlier podcast about the infinite translatability of scripture, that scripture can become whatever it needs in different mm -hmm. cultures. And in some ways, uh, the, the characters of scripture do that as well, whereas Mary becomes um, uh, many different things. Uh, but there's, uh, I think it's the American artist has uh, a mosaic. And if it's all right, Josh, I'll add this yeah, uh, to the constant contact as well. I, I think it's kind of in the vein of the queen of heaven mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, image. Um, uh, Mary is wearing this, this uh, metallic silver uh, dress and the background is kind of reds and blues, uh, uh, almost as if she is 
uh, floating in some um, eternal uh, glory. And, and it's, it's, it's a stunning uh, sculpture, a stunning image. And uh, so that is one of my mm -hmm. favorites uh, of Mary. That's great. Well, do we have anything else that um, we, we need to share or anything that's on our hearts? I think we could probably sit and talk to you, Jean, for a good long yeah. while yet. Well, one thing I thought about is um, I appreciate, Josh, the way when we're in church, you'll say our Catholic brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. you know, just. And um, I thought about that a lot with Mary that... Um, we can reach this, we can reach over this or through this divide yeah. mm -hmm. and become more yeah. brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's one of the things I like highlighting, especially within confirmation, you know, like we'll go to a Shabbat service, we'll go to a Catholic mass, and then, you know, we'll have a, another Protestant service that we'll kind of go to with, with, with the confirmands, you know, just to, you know, show them, you know, the, the arc of church history and how, you know, it is kind of included within that with through all the schisms and through all the chaos, but thank you. Um, all right, well, let's close in prayer and we will, um, today's prayer comes from the plow, uh, the daily plow, which is an online resource, um, of daily prayers and daily meditations. So if you'd like to check that out, um, I would highly recommend it, um, with, with what kind of comes. So let us pray. Lord God, in exaltation, our hearts go out to you in your revelation of heaven, your revelation of the spirit, who can fill our hearts so that we remain steadfast throughout our earthly life. It is still dark on earth, sin and death hold sway, but we stand unafraid and seek repentance. In spite of all our failures, we look to you and know that you are our savior. You send Jesus Christ in your own glory. The world will be filled with light. Everywhere on earth, even among those who do not know you, the sincere hearted will come to acknowledge that you, the God of Jesus Christ, our Father, are God over all the world. You will show your glory to all people so that they may come to you, worship you, and walk in the light. To the everlasting glory of your name, 